Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter, welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita and let's begin. And welcome to episode 107 of the Love Food Podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and partner on your food peace journey. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. To start off, I'm wondering how long you've had this complicated relationship with food. Has it been maybe since college or has it been for as long as you can remember? I know for so many people that I talk to, they describe a complicated relationship with food pretty early on. And we have a letter today from someone who has that kind of experience. She has been experiencing kind of of an obsession with food since she was a kid and now feels so much shame and disappointment because of this binge eating, compulsive eating experience that feels like it's never, ever going to go away. So how do you work away from binge eating? Well, the things that I've gathered over the last 20 years may surprise you. It's not going to be something as obvious as eat this, not that, or the food is addicting. And also, I don't think shaming yourself is something that's going to help because honestly, if that's what it was, I don't think anybody would be binge eating because every single person that I've talked to in the binge eating experience feels so much shame. And honestly, research has already been able to show that shame doesn't promote health, period. There are other ways, and I can't wait to share with you the pointers that I have. Before we get to this episode's letter, a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by my PCOS and Food Peace course. Enrollment is closed until April. If you would like to get on the wait list, you go to pcosandfoodpeace.com. What you will get there is a free download, your first three steps toward food peace with PCOS. And I can't wait to see you in the course in April. If you enjoy this episode, I would love it if you could leave a rating or review, subscribe, and or share this episode. Doing any of those things really helps more people be able to find this podcast. And I want everyone to feel more at home in their own skin today. So thank you in advance for leaving a rating or review, sharing or subscribing to the show. All right, enough of that. Let's get to this episode's letter. Dear food, goodness, I don't even know where to start. We have a bad relationship. We've had a bad relationship for a long time. Probably since I was a kid, obsessed with mac and cheese and Cheez-Its. Not that that's changed much now that I'm approaching 30. But my bad relationship with you feels like it has gotten to an all-time low. It's come to the point where I'm binge eating or eating compulsively all the time, and I go out of my way to hide it from my husband, which just adds to my shame and disappointment in myself. 
I have hiding spots throughout the house where I hope he won't think to look until I can collect it and throw it away somewhere other than our own garbage. Recently, he found one of my spots and said, that's unflattering. Yep, hurtful, but true. Why do I do this? Why am I in this constant cycle of poor choices? I like healthy foods. I like tofu and fish and zucchini. And yet, even if the house is fully stocked with these healthy foods, I still end up going to the gas station to get a bag of cheese-flavored bugles. I'm intelligent enough to know that I shouldn't be making the choices I do, yet I still do it. Food, I want to change this relationship between us. I have a 14-month-old son. I want to be a better example for him as he grows older and more aware. His father and I both have terrible body image relationships. We both struggle every day to make better choices, and we keep failing. How do we fix this? My husband's mother passed away from heart failure at 45. He's afraid that he'll follow in her footsteps. He's 33 and weighs X pounds. I'm 28 and weigh X pounds. I know that's not a picture of health, and I'm scared of where this might lead. I don't want our son to have less time with us because we struggle to control our relationship with food. How do we let go of poor habits that we can't seem to control and instead be healthy for our little boy? Please, food, can we work on this together? Sincerely, Afraid for My Son. Hey there, letter writer. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to describe for us your relationship with food. I know that there is someone else listening, and actually probably more than one person, who can totally relate to what you're describing. Totally relate to it. And I say this because I have walked alongside many people in the relationship with food, and the way you're describing your experience is so common. And I have some things that I want to share with you, and it's going to take a bit of reframe, I think, for things to feel easier. And that's really what I want for you, Lighter Writer. From your note, I can tell you're experiencing kind of a hopeless space where you don't think it's ever, ever going to get better because it doesn't feel like it ever has been easy. And I think there's some other bigger kind of forces at work that you don't have control over that are pushing you in this direction of feeling hopeless. And the more that I can convince you that you don't need to be fixed, that we need to fix the outside world, I think actually if I could be so bold to say, the healthier you will be. I wondered a few things that you don't describe in the letter and I think could be important. You know, one thing I wonder is, what was your experience with food growing up? I know you felt, um, I think you said the word obsessed with certain foods, namely mac and cheese and Cheez-Its, which I find hard to say that a person can be obsessed with because honestly, mac and cheese and Cheez-Its Liking them is kind of saying I like oxygen. I mean, really, they're delicious and also staples for a lot of kids and grownups throughout life. So um, I part of me was like, oh, I wish you weren't so hard on yourself about enjoying those foods, especially as a kid. Because newsflash, when we're kids, we don't do the grocery shopping. We are 
given food um, provided by our caregivers, hopefully provided by our caregivers. And certainly if our caregivers don't give us variety, that can just lead us to really not growing up eating a lot of variety. And that's not necessarily someone's fault. It just is. And so when you are experiencing this kind of compulsive and binge eating type of relationship, something that I really want to convey to you is that you don't deserve shame for this because I think there are so many layers to this that are not about your own personal kind of responsibility. I know that's what a lot of people like to say is the basis behind any kind of eating experience or eating choices is personal responsibility. And I suppose it's a part of it, but I don't think it's a part, especially with binge eating and compulsive eating. I think there's something bigger to it. And I what I would challenge is that the shame that you feel is contributing to that compulsive kind of relationship with food. And I wish I could just remove the cloak of shame that is just so heavy on you. It doesn't belong to you. And what I think promotes so many of us to put on this cloak of shame every day is that we think that our our body is unacceptable for many different reasons, whether it's size or ability, um, skin color or um, gender identity. There's many different reasons why I feel like our world tells us that our body is not acceptable. And that's a load of total BS because we're basically taking on the shame that doesn't deserve to go on us. Where that needs to go, like I said, it goes to the world. The world needs to be fixed. What I feel like is the antidote for you, letter writer, for all this shame, and what I would encourage you to be part of your first steps is permission. And oh shit, I can just picture your face <laughs> as you hear me say, hey, I think you need to have permission to binge eat and compulsively eat. And I say that because I've sat with other people when I've said that exact same thing and I saw the reaction. But, you know, over time, what I've been able to notice is that if we let that idea of permission along with acceptance, and if acceptance feels too hard, well, we can also maybe call it respect, some body respect. If we allow permission and respect just to slowly kind of gravitate to your noggin and slowly just try to take up space in there, what I notice is there's no more room for that shame. The shame doesn't belong. It's like a mix, mix match kind of piece of this puzzle. When we allow ourselves to accept where we are right now, and we don't have to love where we are right now, letter writer. You don't have to love it. I'm not expecting that. But as you notice that uncomfortable kind of relationship with food, if you're in the moment binging, or feeling that an obsessive or intrusive thought about food, if you can gently tell yourself, this is where I am right now, and I'm going to work on being okay with it, and repeating that and repeating that, repeating that, I know with time, your body's going to recognize that that disappointment and shame doesn't belong for you. You're going to discover many different levels to all of this. 
one of the levels is I am got the sense from your letter that there's this kind of black and white thinking with food and with your body weight. I intentionally did not name your weight when I read your letter. You know, I just called it an X because, um, I don't know, numbers for some people can feel like a triggering experience. And to me, it's a moot point because I can't tell by looking at someone's weight or by looking at them how healthy they are. It's not something that is evidence to me. All I can tell by looking at someone is how fat phobic I am. And that's what I'm getting the sense of for you is that you're feeling the pressure and the weight of fat phobia in our world. Internalize these beliefs that because your body size is larger, you're unhealthy. And because I got to see actually the numbers that this letter writer put out there for um, you listener. Um, I know that this person is in a larger body. Why I think that's important to point out is because if a person is working on permission, acceptance, respecting their body, and they're in a larger body, so many people will wait until their body is smaller to say, Haha, now I'm healthy. And really, honestly, that's like furthest you can go to pursue health. For many, for many people, and rather for most people, that's going to put you further away from health. Instead, I encourage you to state a new mantra weight loss is not a behavior. Say it again. Weight loss is not a behavior. We have no control over our weight and calories in, calories out, or macros, or whatever the hell you're counting. We have no control long-term how our body's gonna respond to that. And all it's gonna do is disconnect us from our natural way of promoting health. It's only gonna disconnect us from our own innate wisdom, it's only gonna ignite more shame and disappointment, which is just further gonna push you away from health. So letter writer, I wanna challenge that notion for you because I think there's this idea of, I'm just not healthy because of my size. And I really disagree with that. Along those same lines, there's also a sense of black and white thinking around food and food choices. Our body is just so much more complex than an eat this, not eat that kind of list. Our body is just so much more spectacular and can go with the flow than I think most of us realize. And food is just so much more complex than, you know, this is good or this is bad. And so the other side of the healthy, not healthy dichotomy for you, letter writer, and anyone listening who can relate to this letter is to really challenge that notion of this is healthy, this is not a healthy food. Especially, especially if you're in this place of shame and disappointment because of binge eating or compulsively eating. Until a person feels like they have unconditional permission to eat anything, 
trying to do anything different with their food, whether it's just eating more fruits and vegetables or I don't know, getting more calcium, like those are not something that are going to be helpful because if we don't have unconditional permission to eat, it's putting the cart before the horse. It's really honestly a huge waste of your time. And for most people that I work with, once they have permission to eat and they tap into their own innate wisdom, and what that means is like hunger and fullness and eating for pleasure and satiety, it all kind of ends up balancing out because you know what happens? There ends up being a lot more variety. And as a dietitian, one thing I know to be true from all the nutrition research I've read over my 20 years as a dietitian is that the more variety a person has, the more correlation, again, that's not causation, but just more of a relationship with health. So that's why I feel like permission, acceptance, those are such big, important parts of the food peace journey. We can't really do anything with disease management or again, like eating more fruits and vegetables until we have permission to eat. And that is because when our brain knows that we don't have permission, it sends in feelings of deprivation and that craving to binge or compulsively eat will just be overpowering. As the permission like seeps into your brain and it finds a place in there, that kind of deprivation response no longer exists. And so it's like you're kind of functioning like people without any kind of binge eating. You can kind of decide what you want to eat based on what you have in front of you, what's going to taste good in the moment, how hungry you are. Um, and, you know, do you want something hot or cold? <laughs> you know, it's going to be something that's a little bit more um, calm and also not a big deal. You know, it's it, it, it's really neat to see how over time it does promote this variety, which to me is real, the true healthy eating. So that brings me to my last point for you, letter writer. You bring up your son. I tell you what, we will do anything for our children. And I hear your desperation, especially for your child. The other two points that I described, you know, working on permission and acceptance, and then also not sitting with that dichotomy of good versus bad. Those are two really amazing important and healthy things to teach our children. And if you're wanting your son to grow up to be healthy and you're really afraid you can't do that now, you can. You definitely can. There are three things that I think as parents we need to be doing to promote healthy eating. One is providing a variety of foods, just like I was saying. And it's not making our children eat this variety of foods, but it's just offering a variety of foods. You know, I cannot stand mushrooms. I find them just ugh, one of the grossest things. <laughs> Texture is probably a big part of it, but I really don't like them. I have to like really make myself put that as a part of our menu at home. Whenever I go grocery shopping, I try like once a month just to kind of throw it in there somehow because I don't want my kind of bias to trickle down because who knows, maybe one of my kids is going to end up being this like really, um, I don't know, someone who really enjoys eating mushrooms or ends up studying them in 
some way in biology class and I don't know, just goes on and researches them or something crazy like that. I hope you get my point. It's really important just to provide the variety, even if we're not eating them ourselves, even if we don't like them ourselves. It's really important just to have that variety. And along with variety, it's important to have predictability. And what that means to me is having pretty consistent meal and snack times. You know, um, maybe not exactly six o'clock on the dot is dinner time every day, but maybe somewhere between five and 6.30 or seven or something like that, there's some kind of predictable dinner time every single day. And as the parent, you're the one that is making sure that it happens. And making sure, especially as a child is younger, like your son is, to have snacks in there as well. And just make them predictable. And not waiting for them to say, I'm hungry, but saying, hey, um, it's an eating time. Would you like to eat something? And just getting them used to checking in with themselves to find out if they're actually hungry or not, giving them permission, and providing them some of that variety we talked about. Now, the last part, you know, besides the variety and the predictability for teaching healthy eating to your kid is teaching them the pleasurable, pleasurable side of food. Food is not just calories and nutrients. Food is this great connector. Food connects us to generations, to people in our um, lineage that are no longer with us. Food is something that connects us across cultures and religions. I think about birthdays and funerals. You know, those are times where there's always food. That's a wonderful thing. It's a it's a way that we celebrate and get through transitions. And I really hope more of us can honor that. And so I hope you can also model for your son that food is pleasurable and that healthy eating is pleasurable. Like you want to have food that is satisfying. And so teaching your son that that side of pleasure with food is normal okay, and encouraged. I think it's a really wonderful way, even as you're doing your own work with food and your body, to instill those healthy eating principles for a healthy adult. Because really, that's what we want as a parent, right? We want our kids to grow up to being healthy adults. So I hope this helps. I see Food Has Written Back, Letter Writer. And This episode was brought to you by my PCOS and Food Peace course. If you would like to get on the wait list for the next enrollment period and get my free download, your first three steps towards food peace with PCOS, just go to pcosandfoodpeace.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love it if you left a rating or review. The way you can do that in iTunes is just by searching for my show in the little search bar and then pressing the little icon for Life Love Food and then scroll on down. You'll see a place for ratings and reviews just right after that. The other way is just to look at the show notes for today's episode and you'll see a link that says subscribe here and leaving leave a rating or review in seconds. All right, enough of that. Letter writer, I hope you can stay in touch. I want to know how things go. I will be thinking about you and hoping that you take that cloak of shame and disappointment off. And I honestly want you to like blow it up, let it burn because it does not belong to you or anyone else. All right. Take care. Dear Struggling for Sun, oh my 
We've been through a lot, haven't we? We wish you didn't take ownership for this chaotic relationship. We see you huddled in the corner, sneaking in shame. We hope you can find a way to give yourself permission for this part of your food peace journey. Shame and disappointment don't belong to you. Rather, our fat phobic world. Start exploring the nuance of true healthy eating. Permission, pleasure, consistency, and variety. Rewrite your rules on food, weight, and health. Doing so will not only help you and your family, yet your generations to come. Love, food. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is a Love Food Podcast. Do you want access to more food peace? Jump on over to my website and join my email list. There, I share exclusive content that I don't share anywhere else. Get access to these tips and strategies by going to juliedillonrd.com forward slash sign up. And I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Love Food Podcast. Take care.